jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. This is the Carl Arrington Archive on jasoncharles.net. This is Carl Arrington. The following are excerpts of my interviews with Joe Esposito and Pat Perry, two key members of Elvis Presley's inner circle who were known as the Memphis Mafia. Joe Esposito was his personal manager for 17 years, and Pat Perry, who of the nine Memphis Mafia main people, was the only girl. It was recorded in Los Angeles in December of 1984, for a special issue of People magazine in celebration of what would have been Elvis Presley's 50th birthday. Elvis was always searching for something. He always searched for answers. Elvis was a very intelligent guy, okay? But there was a lot of answers he was trying to find out. He was very uh, curious. Uh, he studied all religions, not just... He did. He studied the Mormons. He, he studied uh, uh, all the Indian uh, beliefs. Uh, all the Christian beliefs, the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knew them all. I mean, he used to have, he had sign, a little uh, emblems made up with the sign of the cro- with the cross and the Star of David mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just, it's not that he uh, went any one direction. I think right. he was just searching for what he was, what was he doing on this earth? I mean, he really yeah. thought he was really chosen, special. Why was he the one that yeah. could sing so good? and? Why does he do this to, to people? Why does yeah. his charisma, where did it come from? And he was just always searching. He you would always... you think he ever figured it out? I don't I mean, know. No, I don't think so. No. Never figured it out. No, he'd always... He knew the Bible backwards, frontwards, and he broke down. He could interpret any different stories in his own way of thinking about certain stories in the yeah. Bible. Yeah. And he would say why this happened, why this happened, in all the religions. And numerology was into, astrology... He was into all those uh, areas that can't be answered, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, no, nobody can answer any of those questions. But in terms of, of what his appeal to people was, I mean, I, I'm sure that he, he came to grips with the fact that it was, but did he ever figure out what it, what it was about him that people liked? No, no, he didn't. And do you think that caused problems? Well, I think it caused a lot of uh you know why? Why me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why? What? What am I? Why am I so different yeah. than this other guy? Right. I mean, I'm just. A, I walk around. I have problems like anybody else does. I get sick. I, yeah. you know, I hurt just like anybody else does. But yeah. why? You know, I know he never. He thought about it many times. Say, you know, uh, I just don't understand why it was me. You know. Yeah. When you think of Elvis now in your mind's eye, what, what, what picture? I mean, how how old do you picture the sort of classic Elvis as it appears in your mind? Well, I picture, uh, to me, I would like to, you know, to me, I think Elvis would have been like a Sinatra. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He aged gracefully, and, and Sinatra is just out there still singing and yeah. not uh, working as hard as he would a long time ago. But, right. you know, I could have seen him do that, but I don't think he himself could was thinking that direction. Yeah. He, to himself, was seeing himself getting older. You know, thinking Did about, that scare him? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think he was... You know, it was in those couple of years where he was having all his problems. Yeah. Was in those yeah. years, yeah. right after he turned forty. Right. And it bothered. Was that a crisis for him? Oh yeah, 40th birthday? definitely, absolutely. Was that absolutely? Did he have a party? Did it? No, we had a. You know, we always had a birthday party right. right here, but but it bothered him. Yeah, he uh, he didn't like the idea of uh, turning forty. He didn't talk that much about it, but I know it bothered him too much. Huh. That's interesting. When you were with Elvis. 
How did it affect your personal life? I mean, well, personal life. There was no personal life. Okay, I got married when I was in '62, and I was married 12 years. No, I was married in '61. Married 12 years. Mm -hmm. Got divorced same time he did. Uh, it's tough. That's why I got divorced. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was definitely not her fault. And but I was never home. Yeah. I was gone 220 days a year. Okay. On the average, yeah. I figured it out one time. And you can't have a life, yeah. you know, and you can't take them with you. Yeah. We did have certain trips, but after a while, you just can't. You just cannot take the family along. And it's it's in this, our business in that business of with Elvis, we nobody had a personal life. We didn't have one. It's all business. Mm -hmm. Personal, as far as we all did our own thing together with him. We all went on vacations and took our wives and our kids sometimes and went on vacations together. We did everything together all the time for all those years I was with him. All the time. So there was no personal life. So what what do you, in retrospect, what do you think about that? Well, I mean it wasn't good, it wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. You know. But it's an experience that, you know, it's a very unusual experience, you know. Uh, I mean I have regrets about a certain a lot of things, but I don't know, I probably wouldn't have traded it off for anything. Yeah. No. That's once in a lifetime. In the um in the dissolution of the estate or the settlement of the state, I should say, how uh what role did you play other than kind of organizing things and Well, as far as the settlement of the estate was, you know, I worked I coordinated with all the lawyers yeah. about where everything was because Elvis had stuff in House Palm Springs and stuff out here in storage, uh, uh at Graceland, he had things everywhere. In Vegas, we had stuff. So a lot of stuff I only knew where it was at. I'm the only one that knew where it was all at. So I worked with them and taking all these uh, lawyers and uh, what are they called uh, the people that estimate the value of all the stuff. Oh, right. Whatever they are, auditors, or whatever yeah, they are. Yeah. They would go with me and I'd show them all the stuff and we'd write down everything. And Elvis said, so much stuff all over the United States is unbelievable that we had to organize so they could decide on what the tax was and. Who owned what? what? What what among all those things do you remember that he owned that you just said, I can't believe he owns this? I mean it, was there well, twenty Cadillacs or I mean what 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 Well, I mean I knew I mean I knew everything he owned. It was just no it was it wasn't nothing unusual to me because to me that was all ordinary. But it was just the the mass of Yeah, the that. amount of stuff. Yeah. You know, like furniture from houses we had in storage here. They were just sitting here paying thousand dollars a month just for storage and furniture would never ever be used. Yeah, yeah. And uh we had, you know there's just so much stuff. The ranch in Mississippi. Uh, it was just so much stuff. I mean, like, we had a house trailer. Not a house trailer. It was a trailer. It was a dressing room trailer on the studio here, okay? And after he stopped making movies in 69, it sat on that studio. I think it was MGM or Paramount. I forgot what, I forgot what studio it was. We left it there. Now, this was a big dressing room trailer with a bathroom, a bedroom, a big trailer. Uh -huh. And we just let it ride away. <laughs> uh, this was a trailer we had custom built for him, but in '69 we never used it after '69, after his last feature, mm -hmm. and it just rotted away. And I went to look at it one lot one day to see what happened to it. It was a shambles. People broke into it and stole everything out of it. And, mm -hmm. You know, but I'm just saying, here's something we forgot about. It was worth quite a quite a bit of money. We just yeah. forgot about it. Yeah. I mean, there was things like that, like we had some snowmobiles up in Denver, Colorado. We bought one time we were skiing mm -hmm. and snowmobiling. Just left them there. Yeah, three of them. Does it? Do you ever look back and and just sort of shake your head or pinch yourself that you did all the things that you did? And I mean, oh yeah, well, that must have been the, a high life for eighteen well, years. Well, that, see, that's what I'm saying. That's why it was a rough life. Don't make, don't get me wrong, but it's also 
you, you can't compare it to something else. I mean, because there is no comparison. It's what we did. You know, I mean, the way we live. And, you know, jet planes here. I mean, uh, let's fly over here. Let's go do this. We, we bought one plane to go look at another plane. <laughs> now, that's the truth. <laughs> that's true. We built a big, the Lisa Marie. We bought it, and we put it down in Fort Worth, Texas, okay? While I was working on it. I was bought another jet to fly from Memphis to Fort Worth to go look at his plane, to check his plane. We bought a small one to go back and forth to look at it. I mean, you know. That's extraordinary. You know, I tell you. That's just the way it was. Yeah. You know, you know it's for what the kind of life we led, you know, it would be 110, 120 to live our life we led. Yeah. It's 20 years. Yeah. Well, what did you think of, in retrospect, looking back on Elvis? Uh, and what happened to him in the last couple of years? What what would you have done different, and or would you have done anything different? Do you think it was sort of an inevitable tragedy, or I mean, as you think back? Well, I mean, it's uh, it, no, there's not two ways about it. Naturally, after something happens like this, you can say, if I would have only done this or done. I mean, we all, all the guys around us thought the same thing after it was over. You know, if we could only. Uh, you know, grabbed Elvis and say, you know, shook him and say, Elvis, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing to yourself? You know, you got so much to live forward to. Yeah. But a lot of times, everybody did try to talk to Elvis about a lot of situations. About, hey, Elvis, you know, got to get yourself in shape again, you know. You can't go out and be depressed or yeah. uh, not feeling good. You know, you got to do something about it. But, uh, you know, he was 42 years old. I'm 40 years old. You can't tell the man what to do. He, if you don't like it, he said, there was no strings attached to this job. You know, you walk out the door. And, uh, because a lot of people say to you, why didn't you guys do something? You saw what was happening. We all tried, but yet I wasn't going to desert him. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. You know, he was just too good to me, and uh, and uh, I had no regrets as far as that goes. You know, it may, you know I, I think I could have walked away and say, Elvis, if you want to shape up, I'm leaving. And it may have affected him for a while, and but he was, Elvis was so stubborn that he would never admit that he was wrong. Elvis never, I mean, he apologized in strange ways when he did do something wrong. He never really apologized. He was real nice to you for a long time. You know, I mean, would he, like, buy you? He'd buy you something, you know what I mean, to make you feel better. You know, he, but he would never say he's sorry. Because he just, he was, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was his upbringing. I don't know. Maybe because he was treated so bad all his life from other kids, from other people. He was so much of a loner that he just felt he shouldn't have to apologize. I don't know. That part, I don't know. He was very quiet about certain things. Yeah. That's amazing. If Elvis was a, alive today, what do you think he would have been like? You know, I think about that a lot. I, I, I don't know, you know. I don't know if he could have grown old gracefully. Mm. Uh, seeing how he, how he became, you know, um, it's real hard. I would hope that he would be like a Sinatra that would kept going. Right. And, and I, I think that he would have had the, as many fans as he had then. Right. And hopefully if he would have kept his life together, he could have been, become a better actor. No. And still had enough. I mean, he had talent that would never would quit. And he right. had fans today, when he's dead, eight years, that right. still love him. Right. And the children of those fans still love him. I mean, they're young kids that still know Elvis Presley. Yeah. So I think he could have been as big an idol today as he was then. Yeah. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. But who knows personally, you know, the, his lifestyle and the way we lived. I don't know if he could have dealt with it. You know, you can't live shut up in a prison for, for 20, 40, 50 years. You know? Yeah. Because he couldn't go anywhere. We never went anywhere, hardly. Yeah. yeah. But you say you went out and cruised around. We'd cruise around, we'd do that, and we'd go, we'd go Palm Springs and Las Vegas, and we'd go to Memphis, or we'd go to Hawaii. But he pretty much was uh, 
in the house. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't get out a lot. Until he gets, when he'd get spurts, you know, he'd decide to do something, mm -hmm. we'd all go. You know, or we'd go to the jewelry store. Or we'd go to thrifties, you know. He'd buy all these little crazy little gimmicks. He, he was incredible. He had a, a weird, weird way about him that he loved all little tchotchkes, you know. And if he'd find something he loved, he would do it to the hill. You know? mm. We'd go to movies a lot late at night. You know, we'd rent theaters and go late at night. Mm. Have the whole theater to ourselves. We'd go about one in the morning after it was closed. This is like the pre-videotape days. Oh yeah, so this was pre-video. He used to show a lot of. Uh, he'd have a, a machine, a movie machine. He'd show football games and stuff like that in the house. Mm. I mean, he was a football fan. Mm. But we'd do a lot of TV, a lot of television. Mm. Yeah. You know? I mean, there would be times there were three televisions going at once. You know, to watch. Oh, he loved that. But whatever he did, he did to the hill. If he, what, if he, what were his favorite shows? Mostly football. He, wa he loved football. Hmm. He watched all the football games. Loved the Little Rascals. <laughs> he had yeah. a weird. He used to be hysterical over Little Rascals. He liked movies. You know, mm -hmm. Patton. I'll tell you a story about. Patton. We went to see Patton, and he fell in love with the character. Learned the whole first soliloquy, you know, hmm. by heart. And he says, "Omar Bradley lives in Los Angeles." We got in the car. We drove over. We found out where he lived in, in Truesdale Estates, and we drove over to Omar Bradley's house. Knocked on the door. Walked in and sat three hours in his study with the six star, five star general, <laughs> and talked to him about Patton. We went there twice. I and mean, when he had an idea to do something, he did it. He wanted to meet the president. Oh, we didn't go. Jerry Schilling went and right. studied. He yeah. got on a plane, went to the White House, knocked on the door. This is how he just when he wanted to do something, he did it. Yeah. But he'd do everything to the hill. If he liked a record, we'd play it over and over until he'd get sick of it. Hmm. But movies, you know, movies. Uh, Patton, he loved. Doctor Strange loved. He saw it? Oh, innumerable. But he, uh, he, he, he could recite the whole beginning. He was very impressed by things like that. Mm -hmm. Whatever he really got into, he got into. He was into the um, self-realization religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, Elvis was very spiritual, and he, he taught us a lot of spirit, spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, he loved the Jewish religion. First time, I'll tell you an odd story. He took, when, the first time I went to Memphis, he took me on a tour of where his schools and where he lived and how he grew up, and he, mm -hmm. took, me to, uh, he took me to his mother's grave. Mm -hmm. And he's got a, a Jewish star and a cross. I says, what are you doing with a Jewish star? Mm -hmm. he's, and he wore a Jewish star and a cross. He says, I'm not going to get shut out of heaven on a technicality. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of mind he had. Mm. He was such a trip. He, he wanted everything, you know. Mm. He covered all limits. He says, I got Jewish friends. I got this. He learned all about Jewish religion. He, he was a self-taught man. He read always. He was always reading things. Because he was not real educated, but he was a self-taught, and he became a very educated man, very yeah. sensitive man. Yeah. I mean, was he yeah, analytical, I, or did he just sort of gather information? He was very, you know, he was. He used to start give sermons, you know. I mean, he 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 learned from the, from books. Yeah. And so he'd he, like read something. He like read lecture him, and everybody he, he lectured everybody. Yeah, he loved. But he teaches what he learned, you know. Uh -huh. But he but he was really into it because he loved the knowledge. He loved knowledge. He was an incredible human being because we're talking about a 19-year-old boy that really was self-taught. He learned yeah. about things that he never experienced yeah. that I never even knew about. Yeah. yeah. And he wanted all of us to share. Whatever he knew, he made us aware of. The mm. same as he, whatever he had, we all got to share it. When he went shopping, we all went shopping. When we went to a jewelry store, everybody got something. You know, he never bought himself without buying it. He bought a car, we all got a car. He was a he was in, he was wonderful. Yeah. You're thinking about a 19-year-old truck driver yeah. who becomes a superstar out of nowhere. Yeah. He wasn't sophisticated. He he wasn't. You know he didn't mm. know. He wasn't worldly. Mm. And here he's thrown into this mass 
Yeah. Of other things. But he was just a regular nice kid. Yeah. Oh, kid, you know. But he was, he was always a kid. He was like a little kid. He was so funny. He had an incredible wit. That's something that... I mean, you, you see sort of snatches of it here and there in little interviews and things like that, but from, from what we can gather from what people say, he was, he was a real clown. I mean, he had a good de- oh, self-deprecating sense so of humor, didn't funny. take yeah. himself too seriously. He had a wildest sense of humor. He would come off the wall. He, he had a very quick, dry humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd pull things out that you'd die laughing, you know, mm. but when he was comfortable, mm-hmm. when he could be himself, he could let go. He was very funny. I mean, are these like practical jokes? Or just like Not necessarily practical jokes. He'd just come up with little innuendos or little sayings, you know, that he'd pull yeah. out, you know. Uh-huh. Silly things. Mm-hmm. He was just, re- he was silly. You know, he was real silly. They called him crazy. That was his nickname. Really? Yeah, he bought everybody bracelets, you know, and all their nicknames. You know, Joe, Joe Esposito was Jaws, because, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Alan Fortis was Hog Fortis, and, uh-huh. and Elvis's was crazy. You know? huh. What was yours? Oh, I didn't have a nickname. He wouldn't dare give me a nickname. I'd kill him. <laughs> he, he never called me Pat. He never called me Pat. He always called me Patricia. Really? He never made, always called me Patricia. So The only person never called me Patricia. Did you, ever, did you ever, like, pinch or something? Why me? I mean, well, I mean, he. I think Elvis must have spent a lot of his time saying why me, but did you ever say well, why, why me? I knew why me. Yeah. Why? Because because I I never took from him. I never asked anything from him, and I was honest with him. Mm. Because I worked real hard, and I didn't. He wanted to put me on payroll so many times, and I, I refused. Well, when I finally went on payroll, he says, "How much do you want?" And I I gave him this real low figure. He says, "No, I can't give you that." He says, and "He gives me this phenomenal amount." This is I'm mm. I'm, I'm 18 years old, you know. Mm. That's at those times a hundred dollars a week. Just to, this was when Priscilla came, and he asked mm-hmm. me to comb her hair every day. Mm. And I freaked me out, you know. But and I would never, I, I, I wouldn't take when first time I cut his hair after I, I was a hairdresser for a while, and then I was cutting guys' hair, mm-hmm. and I was cutting the guys' hair, and, and he didn't want to miss out on anything. Elvis never liked to miss out on anything. When mm-hmm. everybody got anything he wanted to be, he says, "Come on, cut my hair." He gives me seven hundred and fifty dollars. Fuck yeah, give him the money back. I said, Elvis, you know, I eat here, I, you know, I travel with you. I don't want your money. Well, I think that's what made him like me, you know, because mm. he knew I, I was there because I cared about him. Yeah. I wasn't there for what I can get. Yeah, he gave me beautiful things that I could never have. He bought me my car. Mm-hmm. He bought me jewelry. He bought me my first fur coat. Mm. But those were gifts. He, he conned me. My first fur coat, I, moved, I finally, 15 years I was with him, and I never had anybody that I was going with. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend, I finally told Elvis I met someone I really cared for. Mm-hmm. And he said, bring him over. Uh, no, first I was moving in with the guy, mm-hmm. and he called me. He says, "You've got to come cut my hair." I said, "Elvis, I just cut your hair." He says, "You, you got to come over." Mm-hmm. I'm moving that day. He calls mm-hmm. me up to the house. I run up to the house because I never turn him down. Mm-hmm. He hands me a mink coat. You know, he just mm-hmm. he, because he didn't want to lose mm-hmm. touch. You know, mm-hmm. he was real scared of losing touch with his friends. He, it was <laughs> it was a trip. He really was. It is. And he used to play. He was just a sensitive man. Mm. And there were very few people that he really trusted or cared about, and he wanted you around, you know? Yeah. And he always, and if, if, whether it was 24 hours, you know, I mean, I'd say, Elvis, I gotta go home. He'd call me, you gotta come cut my hair. This is 8 o'clock at night. 3 in the morning, I said, Elvis, come on, I gotta go to work. Just wait another hour, you yeah. know? He wanted everybody close around him. Yeah. If you were working, I mean, he was, he was no, notoriously nocturnal, I mean, uh, well, I, I believe me, it was tough. <laughs> it was so real. you'd sort of like... I'd work, work it around him, you know, but I'd have to leave. He'd say, don't leave, don't leave, you know. Or I'd sleep there, yeah. you know, and go to work. Yeah. No, but, you know, he, he just didn't want you to go. Yeah. You know, because he, he only had a few people. 
What about when he was in, in Graceland? Did you ever travel? Did you travel much there, or was it mostly yeah, when he was to, around? I used to go to Graceland. He'd go to visit. You know, uh -huh. he'd send, bring me back. See, I, I worked. I worked like four, three, three, four days a week th mm -hmm. those days. You know, that's, those were the good old days. And then I'd work four days, and I'd split and go wherever he was. Yeah. And I'd come back and do my little work, and then go wherever they were. Hmm. So I had a great life. You know, I didn't want to date. I didn't want to do anything. I had. I was living the, the life. Around. I was living an extraordinary life. Yeah. That was exciting, but it was boring too. You know, we'd we'd sit in the house mostly. Mm -hmm. But he he you, you felt the the need that he needed his friends around him because there were so few. Was there a real routine when you were around him? That is, you got up and did this and you ate well, this. Well, when we were in Las Vegas, okay, let you think you go to Las Vegas for a month. We would get up. We'd go. We'd get up at about. He'd get up about four in the afternoon. Mm. Have breakfast. Get it together. We'd go down to the dressing room. He'd get dressed. We'd see the show. We'd go back to the dressing room. Greet guests. And we'd go back to the suite, and this was every day. This, this is the and whole watch TV or watch television, or hang out. This is. I mean, can you think of doing this for a month? We'd go from the suite to the show, to the suite to the show, to the suite to the show. That's all. That's it. And once in a while, after it was over, we'd go to a few shows, but we'd go, we'd leave out, we'd get in, we'd sneak in after the show started because he'd cross. He'd cause a riot, you know. Yeah. He couldn't go. One time he went into the casino and people cre created such a problem, they asked him not to come down. Yeah. So we didn't go down to the casino. So we all used to get to go to the casino and play, yeah. but he'd be in the room, you know. Was there ever anything Elvis really wanted to do that he couldn't do? Oh, I think there were a lot of things. I think, I think Elvis would have loved to come to Disneyland, <clears throat> you know, and just be a normal person and go out and anything that anybody, go shopping. <laughs> uh, when we went to Hawaii, we all went to the beach. He sat in the room, mm. you know. Yeah. And he wanted to go to the jewelry store. He'd go in there with a flashlight after it was closed. Because I mean, this one we went to do that, that special, that satellite special. Right, right. It was, it was fabulous. But he really couldn't go a lot of places, mm. unfortunately. How about big things? I mean, people that he wanted to meet that for whatever it Everybody was he wanted to meet, he met, I think. Yeah. You know, the people that used to come backstage. I mean, the biggest stars. Yeah. You know, Cary Grant. I mean, that, Cary Grant impressed him. So incredibly. Yeah. You know, he was thrilled. I mean, these are legends. Right, yeah. And the Beatles came to visit him, you know, yeah. and they're all sitting around the living room staring at him. He said, either we talk or we play music or I don't want to do this, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they, loved, I mean, they all, he was the, the, the big daddy, you know. Yeah. So he, he had to carry a pretty, pretty heavy weight on his shoulders. Yeah. He always had to look good and be together. That's a hard way to go, you know. Yeah. What do you think started the, the, uh, his, his down, his downfall. I mean, okay. What I remember, Elvis used to take. Elvis was very hyper. I mean, you could you sit in a chair. Elvis was always like this. You know, his leg was. He, was all, he had a habit. He always shook his leg. You know. Uh -huh. I mean, he couldn't sit still because he had a lot of energy. Yeah. And but understandably, he was a young man with all this energy and couldn't use it because he couldn't go out and, and run around the streets. Mm -hmm. He used to have football games up in in Coldwater Canyon. We used to have a football game, and it became touch the, football. He used to play touch football. He used mm -hmm. to play with with. Uh, the guys, well, uh, a bunch of young young actors used to come in. Elvis had his team with his guys, and then they'd play football. And they asked us not to do it anymore because there were so many spectators mm. that was cr crowding up the area. Mm. Then we got into a motorcycle thing. They bought everybody a motorcycle, and we used to drive through Bel Air. Then they asked us not to do that because it was creating too mu too much noise. Mm. So everything he did that he liked mm. created a problem because people would follow. You know, you yeah. couldn't go out of the house without five cars following you. Mm. There was never less than 30, 40, 50 people outside the gate here on, from Perugia Road to Bellagio to Monteville, where we last lived. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was always people outside. Mm 
Yeah. And it always, everywhere we went, there was 15 cars, you know, so it, it, it was very difficult. Yeah. created a problem. Yeah. And he was always very nice to his fans, you know. Yeah. He, was, he always said, they made me, and I'm always going to appreciate that. Yeah. And he would always say hello, and he, would, he was always very, very nice to his fans, hmm. you know. And he always made sure that we were, mm -hmm. you know. Because he said, without them, I'd be nothing, yeah. which was a very nice touch, and I respected that. You've been listening to excerpts of my interviews with members of Elvis Presley's Memphis Mafia, Joe Esposito and Pat Perry, recorded in December of 1984 in Los Angeles. This is Carl Arrington. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Carl Arrington Archive on jasoncharles.net. The Carl Arrington Archive is a collection of hundreds of hours of rare, in-depth interviews with the greatest musicians, performing artists, and writers, conducted over four decades by veteran journalist Carl Arrington. For more information about the series and upcoming episodes, go to the Carl Arrington Archive on the jasoncharles.net podcast network audio dramas channel. Follow us on Instagram at Carl Arrington Archive and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information regarding licensing and full extended interviews, contact Carl Arrington Archive at gmail.com. JasonCharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep. Very, very deep.